All right, so uh, here it is. This is the Vape Week. My name is Ed Wolf. You can reach me at vapingindustry at gmail.com, vapingindustry at gmail.com. If you want to uh, talk, whatever, uh, just hit me up. Uh, and uh, this is a live call-in show. Uh, unless you're not listening to it live, then it is not a live listen, uh, call-in show. I think I'll start off uh, with one place. Uh, you know, I, uh, I've had a... Uh, interesting exchange with Dimitri over the years uh, and uh, I, I do kind of believe uh, in some of the things that, that he says that we should all be fighting on the same side and uh, although sometimes he says that uh, if you agree with him uh, 75% he'll fight hand in hand with you with me I'm not so sure all the time but so I, I, he's got me blocked on Facebook, but so I, I still do listen to him. And as I've said before, I think he is a very good host. His hosting skills, you know, uh, coordinating a panel, uh, hosting a show. I think he's, he's, he does a good job with that, even regardless of anything else. Anyway, I still listen to the guy. Uh, his good friend, Eric Peterson, uh, had a stroke uh, and what appears to be a nasty one. So uh, if uh, people uh, would extend their good wishes, prayers, and whatever positive vibes out to that guy who is part of the vaping world, I, uh, I, I do that myself and I would uh, encourage all to do that. Uh, you know, uh, anything like that is a serious thing. Uh, and uh, so... Uh, that's one item I wanted to just uh, touch on. Um, and the next thing I want to talk about, I guess, is uh, the show that I had last week. Um, I did, uh, there's a guy named Understudy, who is part of the, uh, the Four Horsemen of the Plumes crew, uh, or whatever the right expression for them are, uh, the Plumes of Hazard. And what he did is put out a state of the industry, and what I did is I played through that, and, uh, you know, basically kibitzed and gave my opinion on of what he was saying. It was intended to be a, a fair hearing and, and to be a dialogue. Uh, so I, uh, he actually reached out to me. I reached out to him, vice versa. I forgot which it is. And, and I had a dialogue with him. And I am relieved and happy to report that he took it as it was intended uh, and, uh, and was happy that somebody was 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 listening and continuing the dialogue that he started. So um, that's how I intended it last week, and I'm I'm relieved to report that that it was taken at face value, and that's all it was offered at. Um, and so that was good. Uh, so if uh, if people listen to that um, or want to talk about those things, uh, his basic comment uh, is not a, a new comment. Uh, but to to boil it all down, uh, we're fucked. Uh, was the message that he gave out, um, and he and he outlined it, and he gave his frustrations with what happened with uh, with Safada, which I absolutely share his frustrations on what happened with Safada. So that's that topic. Um, the other topic was uh, I touched upon some other things which I think are an issue for the industry while I was going through Sean's uh, audio, his uh, State of the Union, I guess it was or something called. Uh, so if you want to hear that whole thing undisturbed by myself, uh, go to uh, the Plumes of Hazard uh, on uh, on YouTube, Plumes of Hazard, 
click on it, then click on videos and look at the top one and you'll see understudies uh, address um, to the industry if you want to listen to that. I guess um, I'll try and talk about where I think the whole industry is now after 8.8 and this should pretty much be the show. Uh, leading into 8.8. On 8.8, August 8th of this year, uh, everything that is on the market is going to be frozen and new products coming onto the market will need to get a PMTA. How that is exactly going to be done is unknown. Uh, you do not have to report your company into the FDA until uh, December 31st, nor do you have to list off your list of products to the FDA. Uh, until December 31st. If you're a small business, you don't even need to disclose your ingredients until, uh, I'm not looking at it, I believe August 8th, uh, 2017. Uh, if you're a large business, which is defined as over $5 million, then you will have to submit your ingredient listing on February, I believe it is 17th, 2017. Uh, don't quote me on, on the, that date, though. It might be the 7th. Uh, and so February, you'll have to put in your ingredients. So because, as I described before, it's a mixed match of compliance periods towards expectation of demonstration of what you would have to have for your products to be on the market, there's some uncertainty of how the FDA is going to go about its business of uh, enforcement. Now, I think if the FDA is smart and there's no reason to think that they're going to be stupid uh, and I would encourage uh, them to be doing the smart thing they're going to restrict all of their enforcement abilities on to people that do not register their company on 2017 I'm sorry on December 31st 2016 so that's hopefully where they will draw the line on their first levels of enforcement so uh, that the, everybody that uh, that uh, marks their company uh, with the FDA and does their very minimal uh, expenditure to get that done and that I believe it's all just time when they register on December 31st that should give them the time until August 8th 2018 before they have to pull their products off the market because they have not been issued a PMTA. So that's the current environment. So there's, if, if you're an e-liquid company, you, with doing just a bare minimum, and you know uh, that, that information is available, um, and I'm, I'm looking at making that, information's available on the, on the FDA, but, uh, there might be some people that will be hand-holding some businesses between, you know, from two weeks to now, uh, from August 8th until December 31st, There, I'm looking at, might be doing some hand-holding of that, which could be fruitful for some companies. But you have to do some necessary, you know, uh, bows, curtsies, and, uh, you know, waving your hand and, and saying you're there. Uh, and then you should be clean for two years. Uh, however, the FDA might take other enforcement avenues too, but you still, you definitely want to register. Uh, after that point, uh, it's going to come down to 
actually filing a pre-market tobacco authorization. And if you do that, and it's done in a way that is sufficient enough to be reasonable consideration, and I don't think that that's that high of a bar. I think that's an achievable bar. Uh, I think that uh, I think that can be done. I don't know what is an example of what they would reject, but uh, you know, e-liquids are really basic things. It's three ingredients and a category: nicotine, PG, VG, flavorings. And so, it, I mean, the mil the bill of materials. I mean, I've worked in a piece part industry before, and a bill of materials has, you know, look at a bill of materials for a transistor radio. You've, you've got, what, you know, uh, 150 unique parts in the assembly, and, and here you've got 3 plus maybe 10, you know, 14, 15 total items that are in in the uh, thing. It's, it's, it's a very simple product for e-liquid. Um, even the atomizers and stuff like that uh, are, are, are simple too, but that's a whole other story. So everybody's going to want to file their PMTA to get the years two to three. Um, and I've talked about this in brief before. Uh, and I'm, I'm trying to, I, I have some deadlines to, I will be generating a PMTA regardless of anything. I, I will be submitting a PMTA for a product, whether it be physical or theoretical, I will be doing that. Uh, what matter of assistance that I am able to generate uh, to make it more uh, rigorous and substantial um, is unknown. But I've got two weeks to do some of that, and then after that, there's a whole other option. So that's what I will be doing. Uh, and if anybody wants to contact me again, my uh, I, I, there's no reason to, uh, to 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 roll out anything at this point. But if you weren't interested, uh, certainly hit me up with an email, vapingindustry at gmail.com. I've got some things. I am at least uh, mimicking what the industry is feeling right now. I've got two weeks to do everything. Uh, that is necessary to be uh, in compliance with 8.8. So it's it's a mimicking. Uh, either I'm going to do it and actually do it exactly and, and in the same way, or I will mimic it and I will just do experience the learning curve. So there's not going to be that much to be that I that I should say until after 8.8. Uh, but I can tell you this is that Every single e-liquid company should be generating a PMTA. And I, when I spoke to see Steve Nair, and when I say spoke, I mean texted him on Facebook, uh, he did confirm that uh, they were not going to be working on PMTAs because they were too costly. That was the advice that, I guess, that Dimitri, uh, who is his uh, chief operating officer, uh, is that 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 company and I, I I know that they say that they're white labeling they, they white label more than they than they actually sell themselves uh, so anyway they, they are not going to be doing a PMTA which just blows me away uh, 
that they would make that stance. And apparently they've already had a meeting, Mountain Oak Vapor, uh, Steve Nair has had an all-hands meeting with his employees saying that, you know, in a year, year and a half, two years, that they might not have the job. And as Dimitri reported it, some of these people were freaked out uh, because they were recent home purchasers. So if a man uh, talks to his employees and uh, tells them that, I, I believe him that that is his current position, that, that they're probably not going to do a PMTA. I think that that is an error. It is a mistake. Uh, and I would advise Steve Nair and Brandy Nair uh, to think it over again, that you want to put in a PMTA. Every single e-liquid company wants to be doing that. Now, here's another thing that will happen. If any company gets a PMTA, I believe that the lawsuits will be mooted. And here's why I think that. As soon as you have one company put one in, and, and it's not like, you know, a super billion dollar application. Uh, here's something. is like uh, Swisher is a company that I want to uh, reach out to. Swisher, the guys that make Swisher Sweets cigars, it's a privately held company. Apparently, they're in the e-liquid game. Uh, I want to reach out to these guys. Uh because uh, if they're tobacco, they're not big tobacco, but since they're kind of cigars, they're kind of, cigars are much healthier than a cigarette uh, because of all the, uh, it's like natural product. A cigar is a natural product, while a cigar, a cigarette is a highly synthetic, synthesized, gooey creature of a smoke. It's, it's, a, it's a disgusting little thing. A cigar at least is natural. Uh, if it's using whole leaves. Say Swisher, which has obviously the resources, uh, puts in a PMTA and is successfully granted a PMTA. The lawsuit from Nicopure says it's going to cost $740 million to put in their PMTAs. And say this company, uh, they get subpoenaed by the court of somehow, I don't know, uh, maybe a the FDA forces them to, to ask, you know, somehow they're, they're forced to be compelled to find out how much they cost to get all their products approved. And maybe uh, it comes out to be a million five uh, for all of their products. And I don't think it should cost that much. Uh, and I think there's ways of reducing it by working as a cooperative, which I've talked about before. I'm trying not to pitch it right now. Uh, I, all I can say is I'm still working on it. Uh, if they just say they did it all by their lonesome and they did it all and it cost them $1.5 million and they get, you know, products along and then say, say it's, uh, how many liquids? Say it's uh, one-tenth of uh, what Nicopure's product line is. Uh, if it's one-tenth, then they did for 1.5 million what it took 74 million dollars what their what nicopure is saying it's going to cost 74 million so how, how the judge is going to disbelieve the evidence will come out that the judge should disbelieve the proffering that is in the pleadings submitted by nicopure if it's 5% uh then then it's going to be 37 million dollars if it's 1% if the if the existing product line of Swisher is only one percent of what Nicopure's is, 
then by NicoPure's filing, they're going to say that it should have costed them $7.4 million. And if they did it for 1.5, it's going to make NicoPure's lawsuit look ridiculous. Because the evidence will come in that NicoPure is pretending with the court and not being realistic. So I, I've said that in a, a verbose way. Here, here's the summary of that. If a company puts in a PMTA application and does it for just going to pick a number out of the out of the uh, out of a filing for the OMB, which is about 1.6 million dollars. If it's that, then it's going to be if it's 1.6 million dollars, then if they do that for their entire line of products, let's up it up to two million for the line. Let's let's up to, up it up to two million. They do it for two million, all by their lonesome, some some idiots uh, that just walked into the vaping industry and get their line of fifteen e liquids approved for two million dollars. That will throw a gigantic monkey wrench into all of these claims that these things are inaccessible and unable to be done, and the whole thing. Let me say it another way. The offering by Nicopure asserts that each and every product that they have, which is something like 2,000 different line items, is going to cost $300,000. And so when they use that number, they're saying that if, I, if they're selling an e-juice with five variants of nicotine strength, that one exact thing, it's all exactly the same except it has 3, 6, 9, 12, and 18. It has those five strengths. Nicopure is saying that that's going to cost them $1.5 million. So they've, they've, they've juiced it up that way uh, by saying that each nicotine strength is a unique product. So... I should probably prepare for these shows. What I'm telling you, and I'm telling this to Steve Nair, I'm telling it to any company that makes e-liquids that has employees that are relying upon them. You want to file your PMTA. If a company out there comes out of the blue, any organization, anybody, Swisher, uh, you know, uh, XYZ e-liquid out of Orange County, uh, XYZ comes out and they get their stuff approved, that is going to remove that aspect of the lawsuits that are being filed. You cannot rely on these lawsuits if the FDA turns out to be not lying. If the FDA is lying and their and their FDA is going to ban all these products and, and do all these incredibly nasty things, uh, then the lawsuits will work. But however, if the FDA, if, if, it, if when you read it, they're saying, well, yeah, 70% of these companies that are these fly-by-night companies could go away. 70% of these e-liquid companies that mix on the counter inside a shop in a strip mall, they could go away. That If you peel off all of those, all of the people that are mixing in store or in their back rooms, and then you leave it just to the people that have uh, dedicated e-liquid mixing facilities... <laughs> 
they've got they've they've made a clean room out of their garage at least they've they're they've got a central point where they're doing it they're not just doing it if the 30 percent that are surviving could be every single company that you've ever heard of that is anything of a brand so i've heard of mountain oak vapors uh i've never touched their product but i've heard of them they're big enough to hear there's no reason why they can't survive this and I would encourage everybody to get that third year to file a PMTA. I'm working on that. If you don't even consider what I'm doing worthwhile, I don't care at this point. But you should do it yourselves. So every, everybody should be planning on doing that. So what happens after I stole? I'm telling you that uh, hardware is going to be unaffected. And... Uh, Two weeks to go, uh, Dimitri out of Sevia is not explaining to people what the position of Sevia is going to be. Uh, I've, I've talked to a few people. They're just they're just not saying. I think they're going to continue to bring the products across. So let me give uh, legal advice now to uh, people that make hardware. Now, the re I can give you legal advice because I am not a lawyer. And so if you listen to legal advice from a person that is not a lawyer and you rely upon that, and you don't check it out with a lawyer, I would have a hard time thinking that you have got a case against me. I will be honest with you. I will try and tell you what I think. Uh, but it's, it's, I'm going to give you legal advice. Uh, what the hell? I mean, uh, I, I thought about being a lawyer many times, but since I'm not a lawyer, you can't catch me for saying uh, that I'm giving you legal advice, can you? I think that's, I think that's legally correct. So here's my legal advice to you. Uh, take it or leave it and uh, reply. Uh, caveat emptor uh, de la your usage of such. Uh, use it if you want. <laughs> caveat emptor. And since you're not buying it, I guess it's just caveat. Um, so if I was a maker of hardware, I would continue to make hardware. I would continue to uh, sell it and I would sell it to everybody. I would not register with the FDA. I would not expect to need to register with the FDA because I'm not, I'm not selling any amount of e-liquids. There's nothing e-liquids. There's no e-liquids anywhere near my product. It is just a wooden mod. It is just a atomizer. It's just uh, something with a coil and a wick and a tank and uh that's not a tobacco product. It doesn't have any tobacco in it. It doesn't have any nicotine in it. It could be used for any number of different things. And it's, it's just not a tobacco product. And if somebody is going to run around and tell you it's a tobacco product, well, they haven't done it yet, have they? Uh, they haven't, nobody's knocked on your door yet, have they? Uh, and what, what if they do knock on your door? They, they're going to warn you? I mean, I talked to one guy and he thought that uh, if, if they knocked on his door, they were gonna they were gonna bum rush his door with, you know, an ATF riot gear and uh, blow the place you know blow the place down. Well, I mean, I don't know. If, you know, there's there's some things that that you know, uh, being a California native uh, and not living in Compton, uh, that stuff just doesn't happen in California. And maybe there's some stuff that happens like that in other states, but uh, I've seen I've I've seen the YouTube videos of some crazy shit going on, but a dog biting a guy's face for the, you know, terrible things I've seen. Uh, but I don't see why you need to fear uh, 
fear this because if they if they're going to give you a warning letter declaring that you're a tobacco product well you've got one line of defense saying well i was selling this product before 88 and they're they're going to go well you're gonna to have to demonstrate that and you go what do you mean i have to demonstrate that i've been selling it since 88 and they go well that's a new product and you go wait a second. i've been selling it since 8 you know it, it it's going to be a tussle of of legalized proof and i think it's such high hanging fruit that there would be no advantage to the fda to do this plus it's not a tobacco product and i just watched my uh i just watched myself at the second fda workshop where i was making this argument in front of the fda and I explained it really clearly. And what I said to them, it was a tactical move. Uh, I, w- I was trying to have enough forethought. My tactical move was saying to the FDA at the workshop, recorded and transcribed, uh, was I-, I had a big presentation. I had a 10-page presentation, and I knew that I couldn't get through all of that. Uh, so I just uh, I did it on the fly and was looking at the audience versus reading out loud, uh, reading from a teleprompter. I, I should have... You know, 2020 uh, reverse vision. I should have been reading from a teleprompter. I could have got way more in. I should have been just reading and not looking up and trying to use good, you know, uh, Toastmaster skills, if you will. Um, but my point to them was is that the documents do not state or show or could be interpreted that. Hardware without nicotine is controlled by the Tobacco Control Act, and it's outside of the deeming authority. And then I quoted to them that it says that it's outside of the authority, and it even goes on to explain that the financial evaluation of what it would cost to implement the deeming did not consider the cost of what it would take to regulate hardware without nicotine. In other words, they don't even have it budgeted or anticipated to do that. They haven't done any of that. And I've been on this for fucking two and a half years. And now either either I'm going to be like so way early on this and people are going to go, oh, yeah, I guess he was right, uh, begrudgingly. Or I'm going to look like a super big idiot. Uh, and I, I think that even if I'm wrong, I don't think I'm going to be a super big idiot. because. So I put, I told them that, it, the, the act doesn't have it. And then, because this was still around the time when comment periods were going on and stuff like that. So I said that the reason why, because I was there and there was like five, ten, five, six, seven other, there was five other companies and maybe a few couple uh, advocates. There was Constantinos Farsalinos was there and a few other, nobody showed up. Nobody showed up to Washington and, uh, I mean, I drive down to Southern California, and that's 400 miles each way, actually 450 miles each way. There's got to be vapors within 450 miles of Washington, D.C., where they could have gone and done that, but no, they didn't go. I'm, I'm just, I'm bitching. I think I'm, I'm, I don't have a headache this week, but I'm being a bitch. I'm being a little whiny bitch, clearly. Uh, and so... My point to them was that the reason why the hardware people were not in the room is because they were told they didn't need to be there. If they were told they would have needed to be there because the act said they were being covered, then they would have been there and then they would the FDA would have received feedback to this. 
but because they so they chose not to regulate it and by choosing not to regulate it they they chose to not get the feedback from the public comments because the FDA has a public comment obligation uh, they did not get comments from from the hardware manufacturers therefore they would be instilling a law that doesn't have the requisite foundational uh, things that are necessary for them to implement said such law. I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> That's probably garbled. But I set it up as something that could be defended against, that an Azeem could pick up later on, because I have clearly told them there is an absence of response to the FDA because the FDA said they wouldn't do it. And I want to hold them to that. So I've been working on that aspect for two years, two and a half years, whatever it's been now. And I will continue to hold that line. We'll find out after 8-8. And we'll find out when CV is going to explain to all these other people. But if I was a hardware, if I say I'm a guy that's making mods and I, I make 100 mods a month, I would just keep on going. So I would wait for them to to come and, and, and talk to you. And I think I've read some of the language of what it takes it, on a retail inspections. I read the retail inspection language for what the FDA does when they do apprehensions. Uh, that's the wrong word. When they go in there and they kick people out, uh, using just wrong terms left and right. When the FDA sends in the public health groups, when they pay them to go and check if you're selling to under 18 people or you're selling, uh, you have a vending machine in the public area or some of the other basic things that, that have been applied by the law. Most, the biggest thing is selling to underage by, by a long shot. If you're selling to somebody that's underage, the first thing that they do when they catch you is they write you up. And they write you up and say, you did it, you shouldn't do it, don't do it again. And the fine associated with the first write-up, is, from my memory, is exactly $0. So you get a warning. You get an honest-to-God warning. Straight-out warning. You're on notice. So if I'm a hardware manufacturer, I haven't seen anything else uh, that talks about... I've seen things, if it becomes a misbranded tobacco product, that they will tell you to remove that product from the thing. I've heard people talking about doing jail time, uh, you know, uh, all sorts of terrible, nasty things. Uh, I, I, th I think it, even if they're going to tell you to stop selling it, uh, their first move is going to be telling you to stop selling it. And that, that first move, if they come at you on, on step one, you might, the worst case scenario is you have to shut the shit down right away. Second is that you fight them and lose. That those are like equally bad, I guess. Probably one is worse, you know, if you spend all that energy fighting them and don't win. But I'm assuming that uh, the what they will do with a vape shop will be exactly what they'll do with a manufacturer. That the first step they're going to do is tell you not to do it. And so uh, my legal advice is uh, continue as on shelter in place. Uh, be be pay all of your taxes uh 
a file with your local chamber of commerce. Uh, you know, be good to your customers. Uh, keep your better business uh, thing going on. Uh, uh, be sure to be nice to all your Yelp people and uh, make sure that you uh, respond to the Yelp reviews and, and do everything. Run your business as clean as possible uh, and continue to make all the products uh, new variations that you want because what I'm saying is my legal advice is that you are not covered by the law and there is no uh, warranty of merchantability uh, of my legal advice express or implied and therefore such reliance of you upon it is completely at said listeners said listeners discretion and caveat emptor uh, and the judge should interpret this disclaimer for its uh, its merits uh, don't use it if you don't want to that's the legal advice. You're going to want to fill out your PMTAs, and you're going to want to keep on uh, making your products. Uh, and what else can I say? Uh, there's a lot of, I mean, I think I covered some of the doom and gloom out there. Um, we can talk about advocacy groups a little bit. Uh, I, what I missed last week is that their Safada has uh, updated. Uh, I didn't know this occurred when during my broadcast last week. Going over to Safada. There's a new blog entry, so I'm clicking on news. Uh, there's something here at the top that's actually important. Uh, where the hell is that? There, there's something with some new uh, an announcement that they have. Uh, they've announced they've announced the board. Uh, there's new people on the board. I'm trying to get to there. It, it now has Cat York, Mark Anton, and April Meyer Myers. Uh, so three new board people have been added. Um, maybe this is just a better way to do it. There's an announcement that announces this and, and does it probably in a better way. But the, one of the interesting things, if you go to the Safada page, is the de whoever updates the Safada website does it faster than the communications come out. So when there's like different board fights and all that stuff, the pictures change <laughs> and even before anything's announced. So here's what we got. This is the current uh, lineup of cards. Uh, Cap O'Rourke is the president. Shell Hamill is the board vice president. Glenn Castle is the treasurer. Kimberly Hesse is the secretary. April Myers has been added. Ben Cox remains. Brian Liddell uh, remains. And then Cat York has been added. And Mark Anton has been added. And the missing card, uh, and there's a big black spot, is uh, Andrew Osborne is no longer there. So there it is. Uh, that's interesting. Anyway, so uh, there's been a change where, which is great. I mean, uh, I'm happy uh, that uh, you know I've I've talked to Cat York a couple times. I know who she is. Uh, the other two people I do not know. Um, if uh, Andrew Osborne doesn't want to be part of the board, he shouldn't be there. And he apparently wanted to go, and he now is officially gone. Uh, he announced it by writing on a napkin and taking a picture of it and then sticking that up on Facebook, which I think is an odd way for a board member to take off, uh, but that's the way he so chose. Uh, I think that uh, VTA, uh, there's been some announcements that more people are joining them. I, I don't know. I, I think... Taxes are going to be the biggest thing that's going to happen in the year 2016 and 2017. That's where all of the action is going to be at. They're going to be, there's a ballot measure that's happening in California. Uh, I know that not blowing smoke and, uh, and 
Well, who do I know that's working? All I know is that Not Blowing Smoke is at least announced that they're working on it. I don't know about Safada. I don't know about VTA. I don't know who else is working on the ballot measure of uh, in California that's going to tax it. We already know what happened with uh, Pennsylvania from last week. Uh, there's no update there. I think that the Safada and VTA, uh, at this point I don't care. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm literally at that point need to be working on taxes and taxes and taxes. Uh, I, I don't see that VTA has been able to do anything with HR 2058. They, the value add of what's, what's HR 2058 is gaining steam and it's VTA is not doing anything to make that happen. In fact, they're doing the opposite, saying that the, the bill is dead. They say it's been supplanted. However, it's gaining steam. Now, they did some work, supposedly, apparently, theoretically, on Cole Bishop. And so that bill is probably going to be passed after, uh, after the election. Uh, Obama is going to sign a budget. Um, and it's, it's certainly, uh, he's going to do it. He's going to sign a budget so Hillary doesn't have to if she wins and he's going to do it for uh, before uh, Trump would get in just to screw around and trade in favors and do whatever he can uh, to make the most of it before Trump can do it so I think that in in either case that Obama is going to sign the budget after the election so if if the Cole Bishop is going to move along within that it needs to be reconciled out of committee and there are currently no state senators that are supporting that bill. I would I would think that Ron Johnson would be a great candidate to ask for him to be working on Cole Bishop. And while he's interacting directly with the FDA with this with this batting around of emails uh, and letters, which I'm not I'm not don't have enough competence on right now to speak to. Uh, I was reading the letter, but I, I don't he. he Ron Johnson, as a senator, has been working on the uh, the FDA trying to help vapors, uh, but I don't think he's touched the Cole Bishop the Cole Bishop amendments. So VTA has not been able to positively affect HR twenty fifty eight, which is gaining steam. It's the only thing that is gaining steam uh, right now, and I guess I'm kind of using some of the same jargon that I heard uh, Dimitri using. Uh, and, and VTA using that when they're saying it's the only bill that is moving. Well, in this case, the only bill that is moving and has a chance to move is HR 2058, I think. Anyway, so it's 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 up to like 75 people signed on to it. I think they got one more this week. So what's going to happen is taxes, taxes, taxes. That's the only thing that's happened. Either we're gonna, either these lawsuits are going to work or they're not going to work. If any e-liquid company gets a e-liquid approval, the basis of the lawsuits go away. So it's a fantastic thing that they're lodged and filed because it's an insurance policy against the worst case scenario. However, the worst case scenario is the also the least likely scenario to actually occur. So if you're a business like Steve Nair, you should be 
planning for a more probable worst case scenario, uh, more probable scenario, and that's going to be one where you have to file a PMTA. And to file a PMTA, you will get the second and third year. The benefit is as soon as those PMTAs uh, are actually approved products, that's going to open up the floodgates to all new e-liquids coming back onto the market than if there were any were hold, held back. At this point, every single manufacturer which I've spoken to, which is uh, enough, are all releasing a ton of flavors. And as Greg Conley has advised these companies, uh, some of them might want to release these products into the market and then uh, put them off on... Uh, purchase on demand essentially that they only manufacture them for when they want them and then when they it, it's kind of if anybody's familiar with the music industry uh, they have a whole album that comes out and the whole thing is available you can buy the whole album but there's this whole stuff with singles and they stopped selling signal a single uh, a long time ago but there's a if like I was playing pink earlier and, and she'll have uh, on one of her albums she'll have like five or five top number one singles uh, or Adele and so even though the whole album's out they release and coordinate with all of the radio stations a single to go out and to go out into the world and then they they release a music video on YouTube uh, they don't even bother with VH1 or MTV anymore and then uh, it goes out on to uh, and then they release that so all these companies are going to have a, be in a wash. As I explained, I've talked to a couple different companies that are going to double and triple the amount of brands, of, or rather flavors, that they're going to have. They'll go up from 10 to 30, for example. Those 20 new flavors don't need to be pounded out into the market right away. And so uh, you can cause brand confusion uh, and dilution by releasing too many products at the same time. And this is the what I would call the Peter Frampton rule. Uh, Peter Frampton had a, a double live album, which was the... it at, at a period of time, Peter Frampton ruled the world uh, as far as music. Uh, you know, just ruled the world. What he did was he then released another album after Double Live. It wasn't as good as Double Live. People were not done listening to, to Double Live. This is a case study that I've read through. Uh, and the answer to the question was, the answer to the whole dilemma was that Peter Frampton should have just kept on milking Double Live for another couple years <laughs> until it stopped selling. <laughs> until it stopped moving. And that's what you'll see happens now with a lot 90 of... 90 seconds. I'll see if there's any callers. That's what happens now with a lot of... Uh, with a lot of uh, musicians, that they will milk a single song for a couple years. Uh, there's been songs uh, that have been... The point was, and I, and I think I was talking about Peter Frampton Double Live. Uh, I, I was really, I, there were, it was really succinct and clear. I mean, Clarion Bell, I just explained it, so I'm going to have to try and explain it again. It probably won't be as good, but 
it, if you would have heard it, what I just said, it would have been spot on. Uh, Frampton should have not released his new album because it it the fans were happy with what they had, and when they were forced to listen to the new stuff, it they didn't like it. They didn't want to hear that. They really, really wanted to hear the other stuff. And then when he was like on tour, they wa- they they didn't care that the double live uh, was was old music or or a year old or two year or that he had newer stuff. They just wanted to hear that. They wanted to live out double live live, and Frampton didn't do that. Uh, and so. What the, the parallel is, if you've got a brand and suddenly you have now 10, and but you could have now 30 after 8.8 because you've released them all, doesn't mean you want to platoon those things into the shops because you'll cause a brand problem for yourself. You're, you're going to dilute yourself. And if you're forcing your customers to be trying other products that you have, and they don't like them as much, you might set them into the path of, well, why, I, if I d- tried that and I didn't like that, even though it's from a brand that I like, maybe I should try this other brand. And once they start trying things, then then they could you're, you're, you could set them on a path to new flavor discovery. So everybody, you know, this is marketing brand management, and you're gonna have to decide how to do that. Just because you're releasing a shit ton of flavors for eight eight, does not mean that you should release all of those into the stores. In fact, you could harm yourself. So be careful with that. I think that's the show. Uh, goodbye.